despite everything that I went through, go mm. after your dreams, like go after what it is that your heart tells you that you want to do. Because for me, it's worse to live in the what would have been and regret for the decisions I didn't make or things I didn't go for mm. versus going and learning. Like you're going to learn. And if you accept that failing is also part of succeeding, then that's all part of the big lesson. But if I were to sit back and wonder, I wonder what would have happened if I had actually, you know, done that nonprofit thing, put a little bit more effort into that. Man, I, I can't live with that kind of regret. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the, episode, on the podcast, Jennifer Abels. And uh, Jennifer had her degree, I think it was in insurance, or at least had a degree related to insurance. Uh, went to the insurance industry for a period of time, left the insurance industry to be a ballroom dancer, did that for a period of time, loved the, the part-time almost better than the full-time, so moved uh, to doing a um, uh, full-time gig over in, I think it was, was it ballroom dancing with a full-time gig for a period of yeah. time? And then uh, went from that, loved it so much, but then had a injury that uh, left her at least partially mobile or not able to do the ballroom dancing as much as you would like. So started a charity to do with dancing, but for the Wounded Warriors, and uh, then has moved to doing kind of online courses and presentations about burnout from there. So kind of just a uh, eclectic uh, journey that went, uh, went a few different directions and excited to hear more about it. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So I gave a brief overview, but maybe start starting at kind of graduating and going into insurance and how that went and how that went to or took you to where you're at today. <laughs> it's um it's quite a jointed journey if you're only looking at it in the forward direction. But looking back, you can kind of sort of connect the dots. Um, I did get a degree in insurance and risk management. Mm -hmm. uh, I Spanish from college, but I didn't want to become a teacher. Um, I was, I thought I wanted to do a business thing. So you have a double major international business. So I chose insurance. I really liked the idea of like human resources and people. So that was my motivation behind it. Um, and then when my first job transferred me out to Pittsburgh, I didn't know anybody. And uh, a lot of the office was older than I was. So I was trying to find a place to connect and how to connect with people. And that's when I stumbled upon ballroom dancing. And I was like, ah, oh, this will be a fun hobby. And then that hobby, I started traveling, competing, loved it, and had always been a dancer. So this is just kind of a new discipline to pick up within dance. Mm. So when they offered me a chance to teach full time, I was like, wait, is this, this is crazy, right? To leave behind my college degree, the job, the, you know, expense account, the comfy, the like should do job versus the like, yeah, but this is what I really want to do. Mm. And mm. it'll pay me. It won't pay me anything near where I was getting paid before. Mm. But, you know, mm. I consulted with my dad and he said, it's uh, rare in this world that you find a job that you love. So you should go for it. So I did. And I loved it. I was teaching. And then I moved out to the DC area, was still teaching, competing. And then in 2003, I fell 
during a dance competition and injured my spine. Mm. Long story short of that is that I was out for five years with therapy and rehab and uh, left with a permanent partial disability in my spine. Uh, and then I decided I deserved a start over. So I moved myself to sunny San Diego, mm. kind of doing the same thing again, where I didn't know anybody, had no friends and family or job here. I just was like, I'll figure it out when I get there. Um, I just knew I was like, I'm not going to dance again. And then so one thing, question before that. So yeah. diving in this a little bit more. So went from insurance, decided, okay, went into the insurance industry, started out just dancing as a hobby, loved it so much. You decided, Hey, this is fun. And so you started, I think you said you started off as a part-time and then it grew enough to be a full-time. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And so, and you met, you hit on it briefly, but you know, conventionally insurance industry seems like a better paying job and a more stable job than a dance instructor, right? Especially if you're in the times of COVID today where everything's shut down, you can't really do a lot of face-to-face -face and in-person insurance industry, maybe a bit more so. And, but you said, you know, it sounded like you were wanting to move over, but you were kind of having the same questions. So you mentioned part of it was talking with your dad, but how did you really make the leap of what seems to be a stable job to what seems to be chasing your passions? Was it just simply that easy? Was it over a period of months? Did you try and balance both full-time jobs or kind of how'd you make that transition? That's a great question. I actually really thought I could balance them both. I thought I could do my corporate job nine to five and then teach in the evening. And it started out that I I was doing that successfully, but then I, I looked so forward to my evening job, my part-time work. Um, and I didn't really care so much about my daytime work. And as I noticed my quality of work starting to slip, that's a definite like ethic line for me personally in my personal ethics. Like I'm always going to show up. I'm always going to give my best. And I was like, Ooh, you're not doing that. So you, you need to make it, you need to make a change. And whether that change is that you drop that and pursue the, um, the more certain career path or you drop that and pursue what your heart is telling you to do. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that it was an easy decision, but I could see where I was not living in alignment with my own values by being sloppy in my daytime job. Um, but also, you know, being in my late 20s and looking around at people who hated their jobs and uh, that this was what I was supposed to aspire to, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is, I don't know that that's, a, that's not a really a great path ahead. If they're in their early 30s and saying, I feel stuck, I wish I could do that, I wish I could pick up and leave, and I'm like, wait, why, why can't you? Why, why do people feel so stuck? And I do feel like there's a, a definite part of me that um, kind of lives by the motto of like, what's the worst that can happen if it didn't, didn't work, doesn't work out? you know, you still have a college degree, you can go back and, and do something, but I dove right in. And if it wasn't for my injury, I would probably still be running a ballroom dance to in DC. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that gives a good insight as to kind of how you made that decision. So now question before we dive into after you got injured, but why are you doing ballroom dancing? So you finally made that decision. You said, Hey, work is slipping. Not what I enjoy. I have a passion. I think I can make the, I've been offered an opportunity. This is a full-time gig. Was that a prior to the injury? Was that, did that go smoothly? Was it chasing your dreams? Was it everything you thought of? Was it more hard or difficult or kind of how did that path go for you? 
it it was not like that it was so easy it was simple like the adjustments income wise was like the only real hiccup but i loved what i was doing um, I've always been a teacher. I love teaching. So to switch to becoming a dance instructor and then getting to fill my own passion of competing on st in the weekends. Um, I mean, it was like, I, mean, I had no reason to look anywhere else. Everything was so fulfilling for me. Yes, like the, and I could also tie in my business degree. I mean, running a dance studio is not just, you know, happy fun times. You still have to sell lessons. You still have to train employees. You still have to do all the things. So um, I feel like still a lot of that structure that I got from business school um, could apply, even though the thing that I would happen to be selling was in some intangible thing. Like you can't physically hand someone a cha-cha. <laughs> mm, no, I think that makes sense. So <laughs> now, now jumping forward to the injury that you talked about, hey, you were, you know, you made the leap, you're doing, you know, not perfect. You always have to do some things of a job that aren't as fun or but you still have to sell and you had to, but it was, you know, kind of chasing your dream and then you got injured. So how did you deal with that injury? Was it, you know, kind of depressed down in the dump slump said, Oh no, got to move on to the next thing. Or kind of, how did you, as you got injured, you can't just continue on what you were doing and, you know, you're looking at the opportunity. How did you, deal with that or make the next transition? Uh, that was the hardest, uh, prior to my more recent burnout at that time, that was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through. Cause I, you know, as I was sitting there in constant physical pain, my legs would go numb after 10, 15 minutes of sitting still like, and just, uh, what it does to your brain to be in constant physical pain. So not only have I have my doctors told me I have to find a new hobby, which at this point I'm angry because that's not a hobby, that's my job. Mm. Um, but to also be told that I shouldn't shouldn't or wouldn't do this should this uh, career again in dancing. Um, but also anytime I tried to move being in pain, it was like, wait a minute, I thought, I thought this is what the journey was supposed to be about. I thought the journey was you find your passion, you follow your passion, your happily ever after comes right after that. And I was like, I'm, that's what the movies say, exactly. And then I was like, I, I thought I was lucky because I figured it out in my you know late 20s that this is what I was going to do. And it was really confusing for me. And um, it's part of, uh, it's it's the start of the work that I do now in doing personal development with um, with my online uh, programs is that I had my whole identity mm. like as a human all of my value kind of wrapped up in this job so if I didn't have the job I didn't I, you know I had a really hard time feeling like I don't know what my place is in the world because I thought this I thought I had it all figured out and I thought I had it all figured out now that it's gone now I don't know what to do. Um, so it was it was a long battle, um, both with my physical injuries and my mental injuries. So mm. I did I did a lot of therapy um, to try to come out the other side a little bit stronger. And I'm really fortunate that I had great friends and family who also, you know, love me back to health. Mm. Hey, well, it's always great to have that support system, and it can oftentimes make the difference between a, a good and a quick recovery and a longer, you know, less effective recovery. So I, for I sure, for sure.
So now then you, after you kind of dealt with the, you know, you're out of commission, you, you had the injury, you couldn't do that. Then what did you do during that time when you had the injury? Does that, you know, we talked a little bit before the show, you moved, you moved on to the wounded warriors and incorporated them then. So is that what you did as soon as you had the injury, you next day you went to wounded warriors or how did you make that transition from dance instructor chasing your dreams over to wounded warriors? Well, the, with the injury, I was out of work for five, five years. Um, and I had multiple surgeries during that time. So my sole focus during that time was recovery and also um, recovery of my mental health as much as my physical health to get strong enough again. And I had, I had a fear. I was living in the Washington, D.C. area at the time, and I kept getting so afraid that I was going to slip and fall on the ice mm-hmm. and revert and reverse all of the progress I had made. So I started getting this idea in my head that I should move to California and I don't know, you know, whatever possessed me, like, I don't know, it was just an idea. And so I came out here and I took like a week long trip, just check it out. And I was like, this seems nice. I'll figure it out here. And I had never read anything bad about San Diego. So I, I literally chose a roommate off of Craigslist, which hindsight, maybe not your best choice. No, she turned out to be, she turned out to be great, but just kind of like a scary, like, oh, that's a thing. Um, so, so how did you, first of all, you were in New York and then you moved to California, which are, both of which are fairly expensive yeah. places and aren't cheap. So yeah. did you, were you on disability at the time? Did you have family support? Did they help you out? You know, what, or unemployment or how did that work? Or, you know, how did you kind of make a living during that time when you're doing all the recovery? Um, so drained all my savings for sure. Uh, I also had work comp as part of it, but then my family really helped me through the rest of it. And when I told my, um, my family that I was thinking about moving to California, my dad just kind of threw up his hands. Like I know better than to argue with you. (laughs) So (laughs) let's go. I guess this is what we're doing. So they helped, they helped get me, you know, started out here and, um, you know, I, it was, I literally, I started looking for jobs in insurance again, insurance or sales. Cause in, in the dance world, I have a ton of sales training and the fact that I could sell an intangible object, like a dance lesson to me was like, that's my confidence of, I can sell, I can sell anything. I've sold insurance policies. I don't want to go back to that, but if I have to, I will. And I actually did interview with some, uh, some other some some insurance companies and i had an interview with for another sales job and i almost took it um but at the time i i just started one day a week volunteering at the naval medical center in san diego Mm. um teaching teaching this one dance class and it was one of those dance is like a skill that you once you have you have for life just one of the things that i love about ballroom dancing so while I was looking for other jobs, I started teaching just on the side and only a little bit and only new people, things that wouldn't put my back and my health in jeopardy again. So mm. while I was there, the owner of the studio where I was teaching is Mary Murphy from the Fox TV show, So You Think You Can Dance. Mm. And she, she sent me out to the neighbor hospital to teach, like I said, what was supposed to be a six week class. And it just started kind of growing and I felt really passionate about this kind of new mission of, you know, the gentleman I was working with when I first started were all uh, Marines and sailors 
uh, combat injured from Iraq and Afghanistan, had lost one or more limbs, most had been fitted with a prosthetic, could walk, could run on their prosthetics. So dance was just, it was a physical therapy challenge um, to spin and to, to move in different directions. But there was also a cognitive piece of it for those with traumatic brain injuries to be mm -hmm. able to remember a series of steps. And then those who also had post-traumatic stress who were having a challenge you know, feeling depressed, feeling isolated, and finding a way to connect through dance. So um, it was one of those where looking back, I'm like, oh, if I went through this whole terror injury, at least it gives me some compassion and understanding and empathy for what these folks are going through of mm -hmm. constant physical pain, losing your career, being in depression. So there was a lot that I could relate to, even though obviously I don't have any relation of what it's like to be in combat, mm. um, but going through injuries and pain and all of the things. And that dance, you know, dance is what took me out of it. But if I then could bring dance back in, into my life in this really meaningful way, it felt like so purposeful um, mm. that it's, it, it started taking on a life of its own and like I said, I interviewed for another sales job and I almost took it, but they wanted me to give up the dancing at the hospital, the Navy hospital. And I was hmm. like, oh, something in my gut tells me don't do that. No, and what's interesting, and I'm trying to look up, or was trying to look up the episode as you were talking, because we had on one of the episodes, previous episodes of Inventive Journey, we had what was a combat veteran and he actually had and it was it started out kind of as and i'll see if i can find the the episode number as we talk but he had a what was it more of a traumatic brain injury started kind of he served a, a few tours and then he actually came back from was getting was recovering from his injury was using biking as a way to kind of work out and then he had a um bike crash which actually then caused hmm. the final kind of blow that um created the traumatic brain injury and he went through and talked about um, how he, you know, he would go to the, the store and he wouldn't even remember why he was at the store. He'd walk out and he wouldn't remember how to get home and he'd have to call his wife up and say, where am I at and how do I get home? And so I certainly get, you know, working with those individuals and heart goes out to all of them. And, you know, certainly uh, one that I think is, would be a hard thing to go through for anybody. So I think kudos to him and to you and to everybody that's, you know, have, having the job of helping the, the veterans and those that are in need. So now you, you find that, you say, okay, I'm going to do Wounded Warrior. I'm going to make that as my next kind of pa you know, passionate job and something I can have an effect on and really what I can do to, to make it better. How did that go? And then, I, you know, how did you also move or transition over to online courses and talking about burnout? <laughs> the, the nonprofit is something, you know, I have a degree in business, but we never studied nonprofits in school. Mm. So... Um, I had an idea in my head that, well, I don't, I don't think that these, you know, America's sons and daughters, I don't feel like what they've gone through, they should then have to pay for dance classes or pay for any kind of therapy. Like, wouldn't this, doesn't this sound like in my head, I'm like, doesn't that sound like a nonprofit is? And I called one of my former dance students in the DC area mm. and I asked him, he's an attorney. And I was like, Hey, isn't this a nonprofit idea? And he said, sure is go former board of directors. And I was like, uh, do what now? <laughs> so, you know, I just, I went to the library. I got a ton of books on nonprofits and how you start them. And I just started sharing with as many people as would listen to me mm -hmm. uh, what it was I was doing, what I wanted to do, what I could see happening, how I could see this growing and 
that I needed help for the parts that I didn't know that I didn't understand. Like I really get the, the, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, but the like logistics of how I'm going to need some help with. Um, so, you know, as, as that started to grow, we started to get different locations. And by the end, we had four locations throughout the U S and we sponsored salsa night in Afghanistan. Um, I had been invited to the white house in 2016 for a, it was called the United state of women summit specifically for the work that we were doing with female veterans with military sexual trauma and how dance was helping helping them regain control and balance and trust and all things that are really important and as a side note as you're thinking so i did look up it's episode 20 if you ever want to check out it's just, his name is michael malone and he it's kind of just dovetails in with a lot of yeah about working with veterans so it's a cool episode so you did that. So now, so you did that, and it sounded like you know you got four locations. It was going well. You you know you're working on it as a nonprofit and as a charitable, making a lot of impact. And then did you get burned out, or kind of you know what what happened after a period of time that led you to where you're at today? Well, the thing that I I mean that I knew in the back of my head, but I didn't know real well is the challenge the challenge of nonprofits, right? I mean we're we can be heavy on the non part of profit. So there's the, there's the detail of what are you teaching? Why are you teaching? How are you teaching? But then there's the, like this organization still needs to be run. It's still, we still need to raise funds. I, you know, all of my dance network from my dance days, reaching out to see in somebody in DC wants a class, somebody in Boston wants a class, somebody in Texas wants a class. As the more people are hearing about what we're doing, the more locations I felt like we needed. So, which meant the more money we needed. So there was that whole arm of nonprofits mm. that was wearing hats of like, okay, I am the social media person. I am the executive director. I'm the founder, but I'm also the teacher. I'm also the trainer. So having all, if at some point, you don't start delegating and taking some of those hats off the weight of those can crush you um and to me that's where my burnout came from i had i was getting sick but i felt like i didn't have i didn't have an option to slow i had pneumonia six times in one year and my doctors are begging me to slow down and to stop and i'm like i, I can't i have this thing and it's mm -hmm. only me and if i'm out there is an organization. I have to keep going. And I was working a second job at the time as well. Um, again, just to try to keep myself afloat while I could keep my uh, charity afloat. And it just, it got to be too much. And at some point it was either I was going to go or the organization was going to go. So I had to step back. I took a medical leave of absence. And after a month, um, it was really clear that I needed to resign. So I found my replacement, hired my replacement and resigned and let go, uh, which was its own challenge. And then really faced where I was physically uh, injured, but also in that really exhausted, depressed mental space again, similar to like I was with my dance injury that man I just spent seven years building up this thing and I'm like oh no this is my new purpose this is what I'm supposed to do and now it's gone so I'm back at like this own crisis moment I you know I call it my own identity crisis moment of 
well, crap, all these, every time I do this, I feel like, oh, I've got it figured out. I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing and now it's gone. So that's, so that's really dovetails into like the work I do now is helping other people either realize when they're in that, a lot of people already know that they're there, mm. but there's this cord that especially in the US where we we connect our value and our worth to our jobs. You know, when he asks you what you do, you always tell them about your job. You know, we have this this and it's good to be proud of what you do, but if all of your value internally comes from just work and you're not looking at other things in your life and the fact that you're a good person or you're a kind person and how you can bring out these other gifts that you have into the world, then you you're kind of going to end up a little bit lost in like where I was at that burnout spot. Mm. So now that work I do is taking people through literally through the steps that I took over the last several years to get myself out of that really dark space of mm. how do how do you find your worth? How do you, um, you know, once, once you're lost and down this path and don't know how to find your way out, how, how do you find a little bit of light to keep going? Mm. No, I, I think that makes complete sense. And I, I think it's one where people can oftentimes, especially if you get hit a few times, it's how do you pick yourself up? How do you keep moving forward? How do you deal with, you know, life's uncertainties and, and, and how to make sure you don't get burned out and how to make sure that you are able to continue doing the things that you love. So yeah, with that, so now as, as we get towards the end of the podcast and we've heard your journey, I always have two questions that I ask about your journey, which are, so we'll jump to those. So the first question I ask is, what was the worst business decision you made and how, what did you learn from it? It's a really great question because I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through the same process of taking on too many roles mm. and not delegating. There's a, a great uh, John Maxwell book, uh, Talent is Never Enough, um, where he talks about do the things that you're talented in and then find other people who are talented in other categories. There is no need for me to be keeping spreadsheets and trying to learn accounting for nonprofits when what my talent was, was training and teaching and speaking and all of these other things. But I was spending so much time and frustration and energy in an area where I'm not good at. I have to start from scratch. There are other people that could have done that. But I was like, no, I, I should probably do that. I should, I should save some expenses and do it all myself. Don't mm -hmm. do it all yourself. Talent is never enough. Just your own talent. Find other people who are passionate and can do the things that you can't do or that you don't enjoy doing. I promise you, like I found someone who loves spreadsheets, loves QuickBooks. I didn't think those kind of people existed. <laughs> so when I finally like let go and let her start taking over things, I was like, oh my God, so much of my time is freed up, but also like my, the energy, the ugh. So mm -hmm. man, you don't have to do it all yourself, nor should you. Cause that also to me is part of, part of where the burnout came from. Mm. You wore no, every single hat. Yeah. Almost to that. I mean, a lot of times you kind of tell yourself, well, hey, I can do this quicker. I can do this better. And if I hire someone on, I'm going to have to train them. I'm going to have to bring them up to speed or I'm going to, you know, it's going to, that's going to take longer. And I'll just hurt you it myself. And that's kind of one of the lessons I even learned kind of similar to that is, hey, even if 
first of all, you can't do everything the best. There are other people that are more talented. But even if you were to say you are the best at all the different things and you could do the best, you're still hampering what you're able to do, how much you're able to do, how many people you're able to reach and all of that by not bringing other people in, by trying to keep, or, you know, keep it all to yourself. You're limiting your ability to grow and to expand the business and uh, do all, you know, get, accomplish everything that needs to get done. So I think that's a, a good lesson learned and, uh, you know, mistakes oftentimes is made. Yeah, yeah. Now we jump to the second question, which is if you're to talk, and it kind of dovetails into your first question or first answer, but talking with someone that's just getting into a startups or small businesses, one piece of advice you'd give them? Despite everything that I went through, go mm -hmm. after your dreams. Like, go after what it is that your heart tells you that you want to do. Because for me, it's worse to live in the what would have been and regret for the decisions I didn't make or things I didn't go for mm. versus going and learning. Like you're going to learn. And if you accept that failing is also part of succeeding, then that's all part of the big lesson. But if I were to sit back and wonder, I wonder what would have happened if I had actually, you know, done that nonprofit thing, put a little bit more effort into that. Man, I, I can't live with that kind of regret. Mm. No, I think those are both good, uh, good lessons to learn, good piece of, uh, pieces of advice. So as we wrap up, if people want to learn more about, you know, what you're doing, about avoiding burnout, about your courses and your information that you provide and anything else, um, what's the best way to reach out to you or connect with you? Website's the easiest way to go, which is jenables, one N, J-E-N-A-B-L-E-S.com. Hmm. All right. Well, I encourage everybody to check out the website, find out more, and uh, certainly utilize your information and your, your courses and whatnot to be able to avoid burnout and to be able to also follow their dreams. So well, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Jen. It's been fun. It's been uh, interesting to hear your journey. Now, for everybody else that is a um, listener, if you have your own journey to tell, feel free to reach out to us at uh, inventivejourneyguest.com to apply to be a guest on the show and tell your journey. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe on whichever platform you listen so you get notifications as all the new episodes come out. And lastly, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Well, thank you again, Jen. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs>